When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But think about those times We were young and wild Down some old back road On our way home From the night out on the town Yeah, you look fine Sipping red wine I'm ready to lay you down That girl has got to hold on me I'm going crazy Let's keep the back Listeners and welcome to Ohio Mysteries, sponsored this month by the Wholesale Outlet Warehouse in Akron, Ohio. You're listening to a clip of Back Road by Reckless Highway, a country band out of Plymouth, Ohio. Reckless Highway is our featured Ohio musical artist tonight. So hang out with us to the end of the podcast. We'll tell you a little bit more about them and let you hear the entire song. But right now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new Ohio mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our award-winning journalist, Paula Schleiss, who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories for the Akron Beacon Journal. Hi, everyone. Steve, it has been 30 years since the last prisoner was removed from the Ohio State Reformatory. 30 years since a court ruled that its overcrowding and inhumane conditions could not be permitted to exist one day longer. And yet... It's the last 30 years that have made what remains of the old castle-style prison one of Ohio's most famous locations. Of course, it's more commonly known as the Mansfield Reformatory. And when I mention that name, Steve, what do you think of? Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Right, right. Well, the institution has been featured in several films. The 1976 movie, Harry and Walter Go to New York, and 1989's Tango and Cash, both filmed at the prison while it was still in operation. But of course, its most famous appearance was in the 1994 Stephen King film, The Shawshank Redemption, almost entirely shot in the prison or on the grounds. And several years after that, scenes from Air Force One were filmed there, and it's been featured in some modern music videos, including ones uh, with Godsmack and Lil Wayne. I did not know any of that. Wow. There you Something for you to look up later. Well, that kind of attention certainly continues to draw tourists there, since the Reformatory remains open as a museum and an attraction. But during warm weather months, most folks who go there are looking for ghosts. You probably saw that coming. Yeah, that's true. During Halloween, a lot of uh, kids go down there and spend time at the reformatory, almost like a haunted reformatory type thing, right? 
You know, I'm not sure if they have a, you know, haunted house kind of thing going on, but I know they welcome ghost hunters, you know, through several months out of the year, at least when there's not a pandemic going on, who knows what's what what's that? happening there. But the ghost hunters who go there, they insist that while the prison may have been abandoned, it is far from empty. Ghosts still walk the halls, they say, and whisper in the offices. Ghosts of a former warden and his wife, both of whom died on the site. Spirits of a pair of guards who were slain by inmates. Specters of a farmer and his family who were executed by parolees who came back for revenge. In all, 154,000 inmates passed through Mansfield's gates. Some are still there. There are 215 burial plots outside the prison walls. Unclaimed bodies of men who died, some from natural causes, others from disease, influenza, tuberculosis, still others by their own hand or at the hands of a fellow inmate. And so the idea of ghosts is not unthinkable. If you believe that vestiges of life can linger after death, why wouldn't they be here? a place where violence collected for a century. But it wasn't supposed to be that way. When construction began in 1886 on grounds that had once been used to train Civil War troops, the goal was to create a middle-of-the-road institution, a place for men too old for the Boys Industrial School in Lancaster and not hardened enough for the Ohio State Penitentiary in Columbus. The general consensus was this population of first-time offenders could be rehabilitated. The state tapped Cleveland architect Levi Schofield to design the place, and he settled on a, a design that resembled a German Gothic castle. He thought it beautiful and that the uplifting architecture would inspire inmates to be, and here's a quote, reborn back into their spiritual lives. Well, the locals were certainly inspired. The people of Mansfield are said to have flocked to the site, bringing picnic lunches and spending leisurely afternoons alongside the immense structure, which was unlike anything they'd ever seen. You know, it took nearly 25 years to finish the construction of the prison, but that didn't mean they were waiting. Four years into the construction in 1890, it welcomed its first 150 prisoners and put the inmates to work on the rest of the construction. 100 years after it opened, it was closed when a federal court ruled in favor of a class action suit brought by prisoners citing overcrowding and inhumane conditions. Most of the buildings were demolished, but the Mansfield Reformatory Preservation Society was formed to save the rest. Among the surviving structures is the East Cell Block, which the Guinness Book of World Records says is the largest freestanding steel cell block in the world at six tiers high. But our story tonight is about what happened in the century that the prison was occupied. Without question, the saddest and bloodiest incident in the old prison's history occurred July 21, 1939, 
1948. A pastor was leading 65 boys from a Lutheran church boys camp on a hike past a cornfield on Fleming Road, about six miles northeast of Mansfield, when he spotted something strange among the six-foot stalks. He and a counselor dropped out of the line of hikers to investigate and discovered three naked bodies. The pastor returned to his hikers and, not wanting to alarm the boys, told them he had just found some dead hogs. Then they hastened their march till they reached a nearby farmhouse where he was able to call the sheriff. Deputies responded and found a family that they had been seeking. John Nibel, the 50-year-old superintendent of the Reformatory's farm, his wife, Mrs. Nibel, and their 21-year-old daughter, Phyllis. The family was reported missing earlier in the day by another prison farm employee who had stopped at the house and found their doors standing wide open, the house apparently ransacked, and nobody home. Authorities determined they had been roused from their beds in the early morning hours, taken to the field, stripped, and executed with gunshots to the back of their heads. So this was a farm that was ran by the reformatory and the prisoners? Yes, yes. It was right outside the prison grounds, run for the benefit of the prisoners and by the prisoners. And the man and his wife and his daughter who were killed, they were in charge of the farm. A coroner will reveal before a court that Phyllis, the daughter, her abundant red hair was still in curlers and beaten savagely about the head before she was executed. Now, Mansfield quickly guessed it had been the work of two former inmates who had been paroled, 24-year-old Robert Daniels and 22-year-old John West. The two men were already being sought because they had killed a Columbus nightclub owner, and they drove a car that matched the one that a witness described as being at the Nibel home. Now, Nibel was known as a strict disciplinarian in working with the prisoners on his farm, and officials began to think Daniels and West maybe harbored dreams of revenge. A six-state manhunt ensued, ending with a shootout two days later near Van Wert in western Ohio. John West was killed in the gunfight and Robert Daniels was captured. Turned out, the men had killed three more people while they were on the run for a total of seven murders. As Daniels signed a confession, he told police, I'll get the chair for this. And he did. He was electrocuted on January 3, 1949. And the pair, they weren't even originally after the farm boss after all. They held a grudge, but it was against a guard at the prison named Red Harris, who Daniel said was particularly abusive. And when they couldn't find him, they went to the Nibel home to try to get his address. And things just accelerated after that. Now, some of the deaths at the Mansfield Reformatory were not the result of murder, but tragic all the same, and, according to ghost hunters, reason enough for a spirit to linger, like the story of the warden's wife. 
Arthur Lewis Gladkey was the superintendent at the Mansfield Reformatory from 1935 until 1959. And from what I could tell, he was pretty well respected by staff and inmates alike. He implemented many reforms, such as piping in radio music to the cell blocks. In November of 1950, his wife, Helen, was in the family quarters removing a jewelry box from a closet shelf. The movement dislodged a 32 caliber pistol, and when it hit the floor, it discharged, striking Helen. She died three days later. Gladkey himself died on the property also. He was working alone in his office on February 10, 1959. That's nine years after his wife's death, when he suffered a fatal heart attack. Two guards were murdered at the prison as well. In November of 1926, Urban Wilford became the first officer killed in the line of duty at the reformatory. A former inmate named William Fox had returned to the prison to try and help another prisoner escape. He drove up to the West Gate, pulled a gun, and shot the guard three times. Fox was eventually captured, convicted, and given the electric chair. The second guard death was just a few years later, on October 2, 1932. Reformatory guard Frank Hanger was beaten to death during an escape attempt by 14 prisoners. Two of those men, Chester Probaski and Merrill Chandler, were convicted of Hanger's murder and, like Fox, met their fates in Old Sparky. Some people who tour the former prison say they get a vibe that goes beyond the deaths. They sense a despair that comes from a place of solitary confinement, an underground facility that inmates called The Hole. They referred to The Hole in the Shawshank Redemption. I don't know if you remember, but... You remember um, that. Yeah, the main character, he, he would get thrown in there. The Hole was equipped with 20 cells. Inmates punished there were placed in a room alone. The rooms were small, completely dark, and those placed there had no idea of how long their isolation was going to last. There were stories of prisoners going insane. At least one inmate succeeded in hanging himself, and another prisoner managed to set himself on fire. The darkest incident associated with the whole was in 1957. There had been a prison riot and 100 prisoners were given 30 days in solitary. Now, as I said, there were only 20 tiny cells in the hole, and so they were stuffed with four bodies each for the entire month. Can you imagine sharing a tiny cell with three other people in the dark for a month? That's crazy. It's no wonder they, they went insane. Anyway, by the time the 1970s had rolled around, the state had already declared that Mansfield no longer met modern standards for a state prison. In the 80s, prisoners and employees were slowly being relocated to other facilities. And in 1990, as I said, a federal court sounded the death knell for this really sad part of Ohio history. Well, every Sunday, we like to invite an Ohio Mysteries listener on board as an armchair detective. But first... Let me tell you about tonight's sponsor. For the month of May, Ohio Mysteries is being sponsored by WOW. 
That's the Wholesale Outlet Warehouse at 144 North Canton Road in Akron. Selling name brand clothes, toys, furnitures, and more, usually at least 50% off. And I'm telling you, at least 50% off. Some of their stuff is 70, 80% off. It's fantastic. Now, Wow is doing something pretty creative for the folks who do not want to leave their home. Every Thursday at 6 p.m., owner Brian is doing an interactive live streaming sales event, sort of like those cable shopping network programs. And right now they are also focusing on women's health and beauty. Think hair care, appliances, razors, bath salts, cosmetics, ladies apparel. So here's what you do. Thursday at 6 p.m., grab whatever device connects you to the internet. Go to jatango.com. That's J-A-T-A-N-G-O.com. Click on the wild window and start shopping. And right now during this pandemic, some businesses have to think outside of the box, and that's exactly what Brian is doing. You do not have to be local to get in on these deals. You can be anywhere in the United States. Log in, get some fantastic deals. Let Brian know that Ohio Mystery sent you. Have fun shopping. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon. Well, with us tonight is Tiffany Putnam from New Franklin. Hi, Tiffany. Hello. Hey, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, like you said, I am from New Franklin, um, the Manchester area. Uh, I am the mom of five, ages 11 through 20. So we are busy in this quarantine time. Oh, my Um, gosh. Five kids. How many are still at home? Um, Three of them live at home all the time. Two of them are away at college normally. So we have had them, you know, full time since college is closed down. Wow. So you guys really aren't isolated at all. <laughs> well, we've got we've a, been in the 10 person uh, range still with seven of us here. How wonderful. That is terrific. Well, listen, I was excited to do Mansfield Reformatory because I've had people bring it up many, many times. And then I found out you actually got to tour the place. So I was really excited to hear about your experience. So, yes. you know, why don't we jump into that? Because you may have some other stories to add to this that, that we didn't even bring up. So tell us about your tour and what you learned. Um, we have done the Hollywood tour twice through the Mansfield Reformatory. We've taken our two oldest through it. They have watched um, Shawshank Redemption and Air Force One movies, and they've wanted to, to walk through it and kind of get a feel for it. 
it, it, it's undescribable how the prison feels once you're in it. You know, they have the Halloween haunted house experience and they have different lock-ins. And I've told my boys when we were finished with it, I was like, there is no way possible that I would ever do that. I would never do a lock-in. It's scary enough just walking through it, you know, at noon on a July day. I'm not going to do that at night. Oh, yeah. Steve mentioned the Halloween thing. I says, dude, I I wasn't aware that they actually had a a specific Halloween haunted house kind of thing, but they do. Yeah. And it it is such a heavy, eerie feeling. It's just you just know when you go in there, you know, whether you believe in, you know, spirits and paranormal or not, because my husband is very, you know, straight and narrow that. It, it's a very heavy feeling. Wow. So it's not it's not just the architecture, kind of the gothic feel. You're actually feeling something kind of inside, something more guttural. Yes, yes. It's it's it, like it just puts everybody on edge, you know. It's just like this is this is just a heavy feeling. But the architecture, like you said, is amazing. It is a absolutely beautiful building. Well, you know, as we said in the story, the whole point of making it look like that was to inspire and not, you know, create a sense of despair. Right. And I, I, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a it is a beautiful building. So let's go through some of these stories. I, had you ever heard about the execution that they did of the farmer and his family? No, I, I had never heard about that. That is just crazy. I mean, and I guess when you associate with criminals and when you have that kind of thing, there's, you know, there, there's consequences to that, but I had never heard about that. I, and it's just, it's crazy. I read somewhere on the internet that they were going to turn that story into a movie. I don't think there's been a movie made of it yet, but frankly, I'm really surprised there hasn't been because uh, I am too. <laughs> what a shocking story. And then the um, actually there were two guards that were killed, but only two guards from what I could tell. And frankly, I guess that kind of surprised me. I was thinking over a century, maybe there might have even been more. Yeah, it seemed, when we were there, it did seem like they had really, really good guard security. Um, just some of the things that we had seen with the multi-level um, like gates and the guard stations and everything. It seemed like the guard security was top of the line for when it was, but it is surprising that only two guards were killed. Now, after I had wrote that story and sent it to you, I spoke with somebody who knew a little bit more about the prison and said that he had talked to somebody who had a couple other stories. One was that there had been some scaffolding uh, in the building, and it was there were a whole bunch of prisoners on it, and the scaffolding collapsed, and that some of the prisoners may have been killed or oh, wow. maimed at the very least. But I couldn't find anything like that in the newspaper clippings. Did did it, I know you were doing the Halloween tour, but did they bring up that kind of thing at all on your tours? I don't recall that. It was. I, I could definitely see that just based on how it was set up, but no, they didn't tell us any anything like that. Okay. Now, did you see the East Block 
the with the yes. six tier cells? Yes. What was that like? It, you know, you take a step back and you look at as a, look at it as a whole, and you're just you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that they would have two and three people per cell block. You know, it's just crazy to think of how many people would be in there at that point in time. It is, it is just so massive on the inside and so crazy to see. I picture it. I, I haven't been there if that's not clear. I have not been down there, but when I hear that, I just think of like when you think of animals in cages Yeah, and it's just heartbreaking. It's like, boy, is is there a better way to do that? You know, I, right. I don't know. And, and just, you look at it and you're like, is this, what, what's the end game here? Because you expect these people to go be able to go back out into the world and act like people after you treat them like animals. Exactly. I think that that's the big question because it, that doesn't work. No. I mean, you put somebody for years or decades in a cage like that they're not going to come out and know how to be uh, a normal, you know, person who can contribute to society. <laughs> no, and, and it was actually, it's a reformatory. So it was never supposed to be a prison for hardened criminals. It was supposed to be a, a prison to treat, to teach people how to be in the real world. And I just don't know that it ever had that possibility. You know, that's... This is actually the second institution in Ohio that seems to have had a story where it started out with really good intentions and a really good, you know, template for helping people. And the other one that I'm thinking of is the Athens Insane Asylum. Mm -hmm. And that was also started in the, the late 1800s. And people just had really good reasons for doing it really good intentions Mm -hmm. and it sounded really kind of lovely for taking troubled people and and really trying to help them and then time just twists it you know people I don't know what happens but it just seems like you know those intentions are just thrown out right people just turn into their base instincts Mm-hmm. I don't know. Very and sad. Just the necessity of space and, and those kind of things. Right. Right. They just keep adding to it and adding to it until people have no choice but to, you know, change what they're doing and change who they are to make it work. Right. Yeah. So the Mansfield Reformatory, like my two oldest sons are two very different people. One is a little bit more in tune with the paranormal and he likes ghost stories and those kind of things. So he wanted to go for that aspect of it. My other son is more, you know, grounded and, and fact-based and the, and he went and absolutely adored the Hollywood aspect of it. The Shawshank, the air force one, little Wayne, how he painted the um, cell block gold those those things were all really really cool. I t- Steve had not heard of those, and frankly, I hadn't heard about those uh, uh, videos being made, the music videos mm-hmm. being made out there. So Lil Wayne painted a cell block gold. Steve, we've got to look that up now. Yeah, you should. It's it's awesome. That's great. The video you can you know you see he's in the prison. He's they like shut the gate and the, the, it's all gold. It's really cool. Oh, that's great. I will check that out. 
Now, when you did the Hollywood tour, did you leave the prison grounds for the other, you know, because by Malabar Farms, which is right right next to it, mm-hmm. is the tree, the famous tree where Morgan Freeman goes to find the box of money in the Shawshank Redemption. So We did not because they're very, very guarded about where you're able to walk and okay. because of the active prison next door. Um, so there was a part that we could see it from upstairs somewhere. We could see the tree, but we were okay. not able to walk over to it. Oh, I didn't even realize you could see it from there. Well, for anybody who goes out there, do a little research. Malabar Farm is where Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall got married. Mm-hmm. And next to, well, actually on the Malabar Farm property is the log cabin in the opening scene of Shawshank, um, where he's, the main character is looking at the the log cabin and he knows his wife is in there having an affair and that she's going to get shot and killed. That log cabin is there on the property and you can drive up to it. You can actually rent it. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And stay there or have an event there. And then the tree is also right alongside one of the roads that, that go into Malabar farm. So if you ever go down there for the Hollywood uh, tour folks, do a little research Go over to Malabar Farm. You can tour Malabar Farm for the Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall aspect, but you've also got these little Shawshank connections, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then also on that property is a house where back in the 1800s, a young woman poised, poisoned her entire family. Oh, wow. And, and killed them. So you can drive past that house. So lots of interesting things to see down there that, that people wouldn't even think of. Well, Tiffany, it's been fun chatting with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. You also, thank you. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to our website, ohiomysteries.com. And that brings us to tonight's featured Ohio musical artist. Reckless Highway is made up of Jose Sanchez and Brian Papazian, who hail from Plymouth, That's a village on the Huron and Richfield County border in North Central Ohio. The band said the song we featured tonight, Back Road, was inspired by their own memories of cruising old country roads. You can follow them on Facebook and check out the rest of their music on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. Look for their other singles, Behind the Bar and I'm Just Drinking. Talk about your good old-fashioned country titles. Well, let's have another listen to Backroads by Reckless Highway, and we'll see you here next week for another episode of Ohio Mysteries. From a night out on the town, yeah, you looked fine, sipping red wine, ready to lay you down.
Deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.